behind the curtain of Australia's billion-dollar media and entertainment industry. That's entertainment. The personalities. So Lisa has not slept, and neither has Carl. What do we even need producers for? The politics. The Murdoch uh, print media platforms no longer provide anything approaching balance to news reporting. The pressures. I'm not sure that people are aware of the impact it has. Unfiltered unedited and uncut. Oh, I didn't even realise we were starting. <laughs> Buckle in for a hot take on the week's biggest headlines and insider scoops. He spent 37 years with the record label but was fired in June. That's Entertainment with Jake and Viv. Starts now. What have you got on the best shows ever? Welcome to Groundhog Year 2022. Happy New Year, Viv. It's officially too late to say Happy New Year, Jake. Uh, I believe the rule is after the 7th of January, it's a no-go. Fuck the rules. Uh, now, I sent you <laughs> two challenges for this year. The first was not to get ghosted in 2022, and the second was not to get COVID. You managed to do both by, where are we, the 12th of January. <laughs> Look, I uh, like to... Uh, change people's expectations, Jake. And I think both of those things actually happened in 2021, technically. They dragged into 2022 as COVID has a habit of doing, but I I think we can leave them both safely in last year, but knowing full well that they'll probably happen again this year, knowing the shit show that has been the first 12 days of 2022. So you did uh, end up in lockdown over Christmas, which must have been Yes, it's not even unique or interesting or special to have COVID in Sydney anymore. I was one of tens of thousands, so I certainly wasn't headline news by the time I got COVID on Christmas Eve, but it did mean I was one of the many people who missed Christmas and New Year's uh, and was just a bit of a sad sack at the end of 2021, really. Before we get into today's episode, uh, and it's a cracker, there's so much to cover, uh, can we just talk about the circus slash shit show that is uh, Novak Djokovic, which is unfolding at the moment, and sort of how the media has covered it. I don't know about you, but I've been following it very, very closely. In fact, I'm seeing live blogs pop up on mainstream media all over the place, including Auntie, uh, the ABC, covering it rigorously. What's your take on this saga? I'm hesitant to offer my take because it is changing so frequently that I could say something now that by the time this episode comes out, we could have deported him, we could have started an accidental war with Serbia, we could have uh, invoked some new outrageous border laws. I'm, I'm not sure. What I can say with certainty, though, is that I am not a fan of Novak Djokovic, Uh, I'm not a fan of people who choose not to be vaccinated, Uh, but I'm also not a fan of how absolutely fucking embarrassing this entire debacle has been for our country and the spotlight it has shone on our massive levels of incompetence and our outrageous border policies and how we treat people. So it's just been embarrassing from start to fucking finish. And if anything, we've just fueled him to have even more motivation to win. God, I knew this would get you pumped up for today's episode. <laughs> Here's me being like, I don't want to offer my hot take. Next minute, that's entertainment has turned into that's tennis. Okay, shall we get this podcast rolling? Let's do it. Today on That's Entertainment, what the holidays' hidden headlines tell us about 2022, the imminent talent shake-up at radio, and our first exclusive of the year, plus 
in this week's Hot Take, we discuss the Christmas Eve apology from TENS The Project to former Sony Music Australia boss, Dennis Hanlon. Viv, let's start with radio and the new Nights battle that appears to be imminent, especially between KISS and uh, the hit network. We do know that Smallsy is returning to Nova this year uh, for his 400th year hosting Nights, it seems. Uh, But we do know that there's some changes afoot at Hit and KISS. We do, and I guess this is our first uh, exclusive of the year, which is that the Hit Network uh, National Nights program is going to be hosted by Abby Chatfield, uh, formerly of The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. But one caveat I will put on that is that she is much, much more than just a former reality star who's been catapulted uh, unfairly into radio. I'm sure some people will have that take on it. There'll be a lot of people who've done the hard yards in the regions for $40,000 a year and feel hard done by. Uh, but I don't think it's a situation where Abby went on reality TV and now suddenly has a radio gig. She's done a lot in between that to build up her profile. And to me, it's no surprise she got this gig because as soon as she got her podcast deal with SCA's listener, it really felt like there was more to come for her and SCA and she's obviously a much better fit for the hit network than, say, uh, Triple M. Yeah, she has done a fantastic job in terms of building up her profile with this podcast and, as you say, signing uh, with Southern Cross Stereo and its listener platform. Uh, that did lead to a lot of speculation that she may find a place on air this year or certainly in years ahead. It looks like it's coming quickly. Nights Radio is a great place to get your flying hours up. Admittedly, uh, I don't know a huge amount about Abby Chatfield Uh, and you did send me a podcast of hers to listen to uh, which I couldn't find so I just pulled up the most recent one Uh, and I gave it a listen and I I see the appeal but what I did learn uh, within 10 minutes is a lot about anal sex uh, and also (laughs) that she does uh, or at least used to do a lot more anal. Is this what is going to be expected on hit nights in 2022 or did I just stumble across a a, you know a, a sensitive episode of the podcast? I know what happened. I was like 19. I was like, I just want to try anal. And then he he was like, you know, get different size butt plugs, the lubes, do it yourself. (laughs) Abby is very sexually explicit in her podcast content. Uh, I don't imagine all of it, including her uh, very, very explicit tutorials on uh, giving blowjobs, will translate directly across to radio, but I guess that's the benefit of podcasts versus radio. She can have her very free-flowing, uh, explicit, unedited chats on her podcast, It's A Lot, and then Shake Up Nights. I mean, nights I don't think have to be as safe as they've been in recent years. I think we could have more spice, more sauce, more sex on Nights Radio, but perhaps not as explicitly as is on her podcast, but I think it will be interesting to see how she translates to radio because on podcasts she uh, is very, she talks a lot, she talks very quickly. As we've said, she's very, very explicit. So I will be interested to see her sort of multimedia transition and how she goes shaking up nights because I think we could definitely do with some fresh faces and fresh talent in that time slot on radio. I think so too. And look, we don't know how many people listen to Nights Radio, but like I said, it is a great space to sort of get the flying hours up. And secondly, it has been such a safe and vanilla 
uh, time slot for such a long time now. Of course, the royal prank and many other scandals uh, before that uh, created, a, I guess, an environment where everyone was really nervous and it really dumbed down that sort of, you know, post 8pm time slot quite a lot. So I think putting Abby in there is a way to bring an audience potentially back to Nights Radio. Uh, do we know exactly where she'll sit in terms of a start time? What I've heard is Abby will be on air on the hit network from 7pm. Now, I know for a lot of people that might cause some confusion because there was a lot of speculation that uh, the former hosts of Edge 96.1 Breakfast in Sydney, Mikey and Emma, might pick up the hit uh, night's spot. This part is pure speculation, whereas the Abbey News is basically confirmed. I have heard that perhaps Mikey and Emma might go before Abby and occupy the 5pm to 7pm slot, pushing Carrie and Tommy back to what they did before, which is 3pm to 5pm, similar to the arrangement where they had Carrie and Tommy and then Husey and Kate, you know, two shows in that drive slot. I think uh, that's definitely possible. I mean, it would be making the night slot of the hit network a lot more sort of talent heavy and really, really shaking up the hit network lineup, which I think is something that they need to do. Seems like the rivals over at ARN's Kiss Network might have got wind about Abby moving into nights. Uh, I'm just looking at your reporting here in our show notes uh, titled Poddy McPod Face, uh, which suggests that Mitch Churi <laughs> could be going up against uh, Abby in 2022 in nights. Yeah, so the rumour that I've heard and whether or not it's related to Abby, uh, I'm not sure, is that Mitch Churi, who has previously hosted Mitch to Midnight, so 9pm to 11.59pm on KISS, will be moving slightly earlier into probably that 7 o'clock spot. Uh, Currently nights on KISS are sort of a mix of the Kyle and Jackie O, Hour of Power and uh, sort of highlights package of Jason Lauren, their Melbourne breakfast show. So again, if Hit Network are making their nights more talent heavy and less sort of highlights and hits, then KISS will need to do the same, particularly because Abby has such a strong social media following. I think that KISS will need to have someone up against her who again can sort of shake up nights and offer something different. Let's talk about the changes uh, back at the Hit Network in terms of its content teams. Uh, News broke that uh, Gemma Fordham, uh, head of the Hit Network, was uh, departing Southern Cross Osterio and there was a cloud around uh, Mike Fitzpatrick, Fitzy's plans uh, and future with the network. Uh, When did that all unfold? I have lost all sense of time and space since getting COVID on Christmas Eve last year, but it was one of those late-in-the-year announcements, let's let's say. A lot of uh, sort of trade media outlets had basically packed down for the year. Most people just wanted the fucking year to be over. No more news, no more changes, nothing. Uh, So I wouldn't say they snuck it out. I sort of had more of the impression that they just weren't quite ready with the announcement yet. I think it's interesting that they revealed that Gemma Fordham, who's been the head of the hit network, which includes the likes of Today FM and Fox FM, was leaving and not staying on, whereas the future of Mike Fitzpatrick, the head of Triple M, was uncertain. And it's always bizarre to put out a press release when you don't have the full details. And I think the uncertainty around whether Fitzy would stick around and get another role at Southern Cross Osterio or whether he'd try to get the new role, the head of Metro content role, 
it just felt like that wasn't resolved, but they had to get the news out there before the year ended. And so it was sort of a, a half-baked uh, revelation of what was going to happen in 2022 for that radio company. I don't think there was any real surprise that this was on the cards. I think there's been speculation that there could be a change uh, under Dave for some time. Uh, but of course, the way that they're planning to restructure it in terms of a head of, um, say, metro and, and regional, I think, as you put it, uh, kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't think there's really a need for two content directors, especially when they've got a number of content directors at a station level uh, that are quite capable of doing their jobs. Yeah, well, they've got Chief Content Officer Dave Cameron, who already oversees all of SCA's content output. I think the first indication that this new structure might happen is when they revived that head of regional content role to which they appointed Blair Woodcock, because then you sort of had a head of regional role, but the metro equivalent was split according to brand. I guess now they're choosing to separate less about brand and have the division more along the regional versus metro lines. It now sort of becomes a question of who gets that metro role because assuming Fitzy from Triple M doesn't take it or doesn't get it, I do know they want to do a wide search, there's not really an obvious candidate within the company who can step into what is a very, very big role. Who do you think will step into that role? Any ideas, any speculation, predictions, thoughts, feelings? <laughs> Look, I think they should cast the net wide. When the announcement first came out, there was a lot of, I guess, bitterness and feeling that perhaps Fitzy from Triple M might just get the role and that might not be the best outcome in terms of whether or not that was casting the net wide enough. I know that you have perhaps uh, heard some speculation. I'm not sure who's going to get that role. It's not so much speculation. I, you know, obviously thinking about who is on the market, uh, whether that's a current SEA employee, a former someone at a rival, or you know someone that's currently unemployed. But in terms of uh, who's going to fit culturally, who's capable of doing the job, um, who is liked, uh, who is creative. My money is on Adrian Bryan. Whether he would return to SEA, I don't know. But of course, he left. Uh, back in November uh, of 2020, uh, but I think he'd be a good uh, a good contender for the role for sure. Well, he was previously sort of the assistant to Gemma Fordham in terms of running the uh, Hit Network, the assistant content director. So he's done the two IC role for that network, and from what I understand, was a very very well liked and respected leader very much not of the mould of radio bosses of old in terms of cowboys and, and that culture. It's then becomes, I guess, a question of whether or not he wants to come back to radio, let alone come back to SCA and the hit network as well as Triple M. Let's quickly cover off one of the other uh, hidden headlines of the holiday period, and that is uh, Soda leaving Adelaide uh, Mix FM there. I don't think it really surprised a lot of people, but certainly the timing of the announcement uh, was not lost on anybody. Yeah, look, this was another late in the year announcement so late I think I might have first read about it on Christmas Eve so grappling with two huge headlines that day Vivian Kelly has COVID and Soda is leaving Mix 102.3 breakfast in Adelaide it does mean that uh, he didn't get to say goodbye on air similar to his former co-host Jodie Oddy who left uh, very abruptly Uh, my understanding is that was not 
of her choosing. I'm not sure whether Mark Soderstrom's exit was his choice or ARN's choice, but it does mean relatively new recruit Erin Phillips. Uh, We don't know who her co-host is in 2022, which again, it feels a bit like perhaps they were trying to get contracts signed or trying to get something done and it didn't get done. So the announcement just had to be rushed out. I don't think you can bury news anymore. I don't think there's any such thing. I mean, you kind of can because all anyone gives a shit about at the moment in Sydney and in other cities is trying to get a rapid antigen test and trying to dodge the the bullet of COVID. But people will still notice this news, notice the timing of this news and be speculating about the whys and hows of it came to be that it was revealed in late, late, late December. And you spoke there about the departure of Jodie. We know uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of turbulence and cultural issues at Mix uh, in Adelaide. Uh, I think you reported on some of it on radio today uh, back in uh, back in 2021. Uh, and certainly we heard a lot that we didn't report on at the time. <laughs> Time for whatever reason uh, as well. So I think it is, you know, it is time for ARN to, pardon the pun, but mix it up there. What does that mean, though, for the market when survey returns? Obviously, Nova and uh, particularly, I think, Triple M performed quite well uh, into the back end of, uh, of last year. Well, it will probably be a bit of a hit for Mix uh, at first, As in, oh, goodness, using the word hit is so confusing with the hit network. I should have chosen a better word. They will probably have a bit of a decline in the ratings, I would expect. Uh, Ruin Dits on Triple M have really uh, been increasing their rating share in Adelaide, particularly with the addition of Loz to that show permanently. Ben and Liam have been up and down for Nova, but are still tracking really well for a relatively new show and definitely do have an audience. I think losing someone as baked in as Soda uh, could definitely be a bit of a problem short term for Mix, but that's a station that has had so many changes. There were Jodie loyalists who weren't happy when she was unceremoniously ousted and who then went across to Nova or perhaps went across to Triple M or even to SAFM with uh, Beck, Cosie and Limo. So it's a market that's been through a lot of change both behind the scenes and in terms of those behind the mic. 2022 might be the year that that finally stabilises and we find out who actually has a loyal and long-term audience in Adelaide. All right, up next on That's Entertainment, why two of nine's biggest news stars have defected to rivals. Towards the end of last year, we heard about Erin uh, Molenviv uh, sort of reworking her agreement with Nine and stepping back from uh, some of her duties there to really focus on Today FM. And shortly after that, it was announced that she was moving to Sky News and leaving Nine completely, but of course staying with Southern Cross Stereo uh, and Today FM Breakfast. Now comes the news that Rebecca Madden is leaving Nine and going back to her original employer being Seven. Were you surprised by either of I wouldn't say I was surprised necessarily. I mean, as we've heard with the radio section, end of years can be a crazy time for talent shakeups as everybody's thinking about what's next, negotiating their contracts, and then things either come together or fall apart at the last minute. And the way that these things work, sometimes you can't say where you're going, which is why it looks like suddenly a deal has come together in a couple of hours, a bit reminiscent of when Lisa Wilkinson left Channel 9's breakfast program, The Today Show, 
And a couple of hours later, she was announced uh, to be joining Channel 10's The Project. And her husband, Peter Fitzsimons, you know, tweeted something about, look at my wife, she can get an amazing job in a couple of hours. And it's like, come on, Peter, that's not actually what happened. Everybody knows that's not what happened. So I suspect it's a similar scenario with these things in terms of the confusing headlines where it looks like Erin Molan is concentrating on her radio career with Today FM in Sydney, but that's probably just because the Sky News announcement wasn't ready. So there's all these headlines about Erin's focus on radio, not TV. And then suddenly we've got to backtrack a little bit because actually she is focusing on TV. It's just not Channel 9. Whenever a high-profile woman seems to leave 9, whether we go back to uh, Jessica Rowe and just about everyone since then, including Erin and Rebecca, it always becomes a huge story in the media. Uh, You could say that's just News Corp, but it's not. It goes beyond that, including to trade. Why is that? Is that a cultural thing? Is it just stem from the history of Nine and its DNA in that area? Once a narrative starts in media that you have a problem, whether it's with women, whether it's with culture, whether it's with programming, whether it's with retention, it's very difficult to shake that narrative, even if it stretches to a point where it doesn't fit the true story anymore. Nine has had problems with high-profile women, Jessica Rowe, uh, Lisa Wilkinson, and it is often framed as sexism in terms of the way it's talked about, in terms of pay gaps, in terms of allegations of culture. So in some instances, it's a bit like when people use the excuse they're going to uh, focus on their family. There are people that are leaving to focus on their family, but that excuse is so tainted now that everybody assumes it's something far more nefarious and far more uh, saucy and spicy. So I don't know if Erin Molan or Rebecca Madden left because of a woman issue because of a sexism issue, but it doesn't help the Nine Network that does have a bit of a narrative problem in that area. Let's talk about Sky News, uh, where uh, Erin Molan is heading to now. A lot of changes there over the last 12 months, most notably the departure of Alan Jones, who's now started up his own thingamajig with you know, bad internet on social media. Uh, But Sky's also announced a really big push, I guess, in a new slate of programming for this year. Uh, It is an election year, so this really is an opportunity for them to shine. Uh, The question is, will anyone watch it? Firstly, excellent use of the word thingamajig, uh, a word (laughs) I've not heard for quite some time. Thank you, thank you. Secondly, as... As to the departure of Alan Jones, never fear because Sky News has replaced him or not necessarily directly, but has announced that Piers Morgan, uh, who is described as a fearless commentator, uh, has joined the lineup. So if they want controversy, if they want headlines, if they want that media attention and that constant sort of content loop, then they're going to get that with Piers Morgan, they're certainly not backing away from controversy. I'll be interested to see how they balance that with the apparently more serious and more balanced election narrative that they're going for. You know, they want to be seen to have the best experts, whether it's Ross Greenwood with his sort of business news, whether it's Aaron Molan joining, whether it's, you know, Joe Hildebrand and also their election commentary team, which I assume will include the likes of Peter Credlin, who is formerly Tony Abbott's chief of staff. I'm not sure how they'll strike 
that balance. And even if they don't get the audience that they need because uh, subscription television audiences are nowhere near as large as free-to-air television audiences, they'll get the headlines, they'll feed the beast, and that almost becomes enough. You and I both know it. Joe Hildebrand's story is almost guaranteed traffic. The idea of uh, him hosting a quiz show, a political quiz show, (laughs) no less, on Sky News... Uh, I did not see that coming, I'll admit, but I, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll turn it on. Yeah, look, when we were trying to think about predictions uh, in late 2021, if you'd thrown at me Joe Hildebrand, uh, a you know, political quick quiz show on the 2022 bingo card, I probably just would have believed you because anything's possible uh, at this point. For some reason, Joe Hildebrand is just absolutely guaranteed clicks. You can write something about him filling in for one day on a radio show and your traffic will go through the roof and everybody will have a hot take on Joe's hot take. He's recently had a bit of a battle with uh, Ray Hadley, a more permanent host on, on 2GB over his handling of his sort of fill-in work there. So, again, he's guaranteed news, he's guaranteed content, he's guaranteed controversy and having him in that position will give him a bit of freedom to probably be fun and controversial and I think that's his sweet spot and I think that will get them even more headlines and even more attention. All right, let's uh, wrap up our first podcast of 2022 with our hot take of the week. Uh I love an apology. I think it's always great to read an apology letter. Often they come out, uh, they're regularly buried, uh, but this one was not lost. I think you were the first person to send it to me, and that is an apology from the project to none other than uh, the former CEO and chairman of Sony Music in Australia, Dennis Hanlon, uh, who was effectively cancelled last year after departing uh, the major label that he was with for over 50 years. Yes, a Christmas Eve apology in particular is interesting. Again, it comes back to that timing, whether that was an attempt to bury it or whether they needed to get it out before the Christmas holiday for legal reasons because Dennis or his team were pushing uh, and threatening legal alternatives. It stems from a report on the project on the 9th of December, uh, which was about music industry under review after disturbing claims. So it paint, it's part of a bigger picture to do with the 2021 news cycle in the music industry, which included allegations of sexual assault, sexual harassment, incredibly problematic behaviour, lots of trauma from females working behind the scenes and as talent in the music industry. It's been a really interesting thing to report on though because you have to be careful in talking about the fact that Dennis was at the helm and has since left, but everybody has been very careful to then draw the line and say nobody is suggesting that Dennis actually did these things. And I'd love to know what it is in the wording of the project's report on the 9th of December that perhaps they implied he did do something wrong because this is quite an unconditional apology. The project broadcast a segment entitled Music Industry Under Review After Disturbing Claims. Certain imputations regarding Mr Handlin arose from the broadcast. The project and Network 10 never intended to suggest that Mr Handlin was the subject of any claims or investigation in respect of sexual harassment. 
sexual harm or systemic discrimination. The Project and Network 10 unconditionally apologised to Mr Hanlon for the hurt and offence caused to him by the reason of the broadcast. What this also tells us, uh, which some of us already knew, is that Dennis uh, has engaged a legal team uh, and has been approaching media outlets uh, over their reporting uh, and there have been you know, some, uh, some rumours within the industry around uh, defamation proceedings, etc. Uh, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that, but you'd think in light of the broader picture and, and what happened at Sony Music that perhaps... Uh, you know, continuing this culture of NDAs and uh, putting p- money in the pockets of lawyers could be put to bed. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would love it if the culture of NDAs and silence and complicit, uh, you know, being complicit ended, but someone as uh, rich and powerful uh, as Dennis is hardly going to walk away if he feels like his uh, reputation and his legacy has been destroyed also you know what else has he got to do with his time at the moment other than chase down everybody who has wronged him I guess the really difficult part for media at the moment is everybody has heard stories about the culture which was unfolding at Sony Music over the years that Dennis Hanlon was in charge of it People then, of course, say, well, how can you be in charge of an organisation that has this culture and has all of these allegations of misconduct and and not know about it or not be a part of it? But as I said, every media outlet has been very careful so far, except perhaps for the Four Corners report, which really uh, exposed uh, the level of problematic behaviour in saying that there is no direct allegation against Dennis Hanlon at this point and he is not the perpetrator of sexual harassment and sexual harm. Okay, I think that's the perfect place to uh, put a full stop on this episode. I suspect we can put a full stop on this episode but I don't think it will be a full stop on uh, the battles of Dennis Hanlon in 2022. I suspect if the project are issuing Christmas Eve apologies, they are certainly not the only outlet that perhaps accidentally or otherwise implied things about Dennis Hanlon and if if they've been forced into or indeed acknowledge that there should have been an apology, I suspect other outlets are going to be hearing from Dennis. We are, we are watching. Uh, so now that you've had COVID, are you just, you know, out and about everywhere, spreading the love at the pub every day, lunch? <laughs> it's really difficult because there is no certainty around how long you actually have natural immunity for. I sort of wanted to give myself the month of January to just go out and lick some lampposts uh, and, <laughs> you know, just be really, just relax for, for the first time in two years in terms of uh, where I put my hands and <laughs> where I put my face. But I can't relax because everybody has COVID uh, and nobody really wants to go out. And I'm starting to hear instances of people being reinfected. So... The short answer to your question is I'm, I'm not having any fun and I'm not having a good time because I just don't want to be that person that gets COVID twice in months. Okay, look, if I'm being completely honest here, and I'll always be honest with you, if it's going to happen to anyone, it's going to happen to you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if nothing else, at least it will give us something to 
talk about on the podcast, although given the level of brain fog I had with my first bout of COVID, truly, I I don't want it again. And I shudder to think what sort of podcast uh, we'd produce if I was doing it addled by COVID. Can we promise some some predictions for 2022 on next week's episode? A bit of crystal balling, if you will. As long as you don't say Happy New Year, then absolutely we can uh, do some What's Going to Happen in 2022 podcasts. Okay, that's a deal. Right, well, I'm going to go back to uh, finishing this anal episode of Abby Chatfield uh, and I'll let you go have a swim in the ocean. (laughs) That is quite a stark difference in activities, but I will also (laughs) allow it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review this episode on your favourite podcast app. If you have a news tip for next week's show, email us tips at thatsentertainment.com.au.